few things to say this morning before we, as we begin our practice. Um, as you may sense from our teaching up to this point, the trajectory of practice possibility is to move from uh, what can sometimes be called the narrow vortex of our self-preoccupations, our self-absorption, to include ourselves, but to expand to what we call the wider gravitational field of the Dharma. A Dharma view is very wide and, and interdependent. And a paradox happens in practice when we do come to that single point, come to the, just settle into our minds and bodies, somehow or other, we begin to sense a little bit more of a, a wider lens, sometimes a sense of spaciousness. And we taste uh, what's called, considered one of the, the mental factors or concentration factors called ekagata, one-pointedness. But the deeper meaning of that is the one point that includes everything, for whatever that's worth. So there's a, a wonderful poem that I think describes this process from a fellow named David Budbill where he says, we're all just like bugs in a bowl, all day going around our bowl, climbing up the steep sides, sliding back down, again and again, head in our hands, cry, moan, feel sorry for ourselves, or look around, see your fellow bugs, say, how you doing? Say, nice bowl. (laughs) So we're actually not literally looking around, but we are coming out of the tangle of our our internal world and beginning to open to this capacity for not just microscopic detailed awareness, but panoramic awareness. As One teacher says the purpose of meditation is to reawaken in us the sky-like nature of our mind and to reintroduce ourselves to what we really are, this this immovable, open, sky-like, aware presence that underlies the whole of life and death. And in the silence of our practice, we return to this deep inner nature. So this morning, instead of focusing so much on the, the details of our experience, perhaps take a little greater interest in the, the sense of awareness itself. So for this particular practice, even though we'll use the different experiences that we've been noticing just to help wake our mind up, we're, we're beginning to expand. So find a comfortable posture, one that you can remain relatively still. And again, keeping, in keeping with the Buddha's pith instructions that maybe you gathered from last evening's talk, nothing whatsoever should be clung to as I, me, or mine. Whoever's heard this teaching has heard the entire teaching. Whoever practices it, practices the entire teaching. Whoever realizes it, realizes the fruit of the teaching. 
Nothing whatsoever should be clung to. So letting go just means not grabbing, not clinging. So let your mind relax, let your body relax, let your body reflect this heart or mind of non-clinging. Let it come to a gentle stillness. And then imagine or sense or feel your mind to be like a clear, empty sky without limits. And begin by being aware of the different sounds that appear and disappear in this sky-like nature. Be aware of the distant sounds, the sounds in this room, the sound of my voice, the sound of silence. Let all the sounds, loud and soft, arise and fade without naming them or judging them, simply hearing. Sounds come and go. Awareness is like space. Sounds arise in that space 
and they pass away. Make no effort to hear the sounds. Let the sounds arise and let listening happen by itself. In that clear, empty, sky-like nature of the mind, again become aware of physical sensations, like points of feeling, stars flickering in an evening sky. in our immediate and direct experience. There is no head, no shoulders, no arms or legs, no back or front. Just points of feeling, points of sensation, like stars flickering in the sky. Sounds, sensations, there's no inside, no outside, just these appearances, these happenings, 
rising, flickering, fading. In this clear, sky-like nature of the mind. Notice how awareness is perfectly still, allowing the sounds and sensations to appear and disappear in the open stillness of mind. There is no head, no neck, no shoulders, no arms or legs, just points of feeling flickering like stars in that limitless sky. Reflected beautifully in that open, impartial, welcoming, sky-like nature of the mind. Remaining perfectly still. Not the slightest movement toward or away from any experience. The mind essence is motionless. Clear, 
sky-like nature of the mind. Be aware of thoughts and images. Like clouds drifting through this immovable sky. Thoughts like clouds have no roots, no home. Sometimes described like a footprint of a bird in emptiness. Peering, vanishing. Freely. in that free, sky-like nature of the mind. Since the nature of mind is is self-knowing, notice how it is soft, steady, perfectly still, 
not reaching for or pushing away any experience, allowing the sounds sensations, thoughts and images to arise and pass by themselves. That clear, limitless, sky-like nature of the mind No inside, no outside. Just sounds, sensations, thoughts and images. Unimpeded, appearing and disappearing. Free to be. That clear, sky-like nature of the mind. Look within the nature of the mind. It's clear. Invisible, like empty space. 
Look within your own mind. Clear. Empty. Not made of anything. Shining. Impartially welcoming all things, but not limited by them. Free. Deathless, unconditioned, home, There is no solid body, no arms or legs, no head, no shoulders, no back, no front. Just points of feeling, points of sensation, like stars flickering freely in an evening sky. Making no impact on the vast, immovable, welcoming, sky-like nature of the mind. No inside, No outside, remaining still, be the stillness. Vast, empty, limitless nature of the mind.
rest in this vast openness. Rest in this natural great peace. Our exhausted mind. Rest. Be aware. Look within the nature of the mind. Clear, open. not made of anything, unconstructed, containing all experience, but not limited or bound by it. Rest in the sky-like nature of the mind. Rest. Be free.
So just a, a reminder that we have both this capacity for microscopic awareness and panoramic awareness, and there's a lot more space in our mind than we often think. And yet, uh, and we use, in this exercise, we use the, the sky as a metaphor, but it, I always like to remind everyone that the mind is not the sky. Sky is not the sky. Uh, it's, but it, the metaphor that the use of the openness, the immovability, the, the intrinsic stillness in a way of awareness uh, is uh, like the sky, but our awareness is just so much more. Uh, the most obvious element that's different than the sky is that we have awareness. <laughs> we're cognizant. And because we're cognizant, we, we, things are reflected. We actually know things. And because we're cognizant and we know things, are, we are responsive. And so all the heart qualities flow from awareness. So it, we're so much juicier than just the sky. <laughs> but it is a useful metaphor. To, uh, and so feel free to use that. There are many other metaphors. And uh, I brought a little list Another one that can be used is pervasive like the earth or unshakable like a mountain, shining like a flame, lucid like a crystal. So use whatever metaphor is useful. But these, as all metaphors, all language just approximates. What's most important is the direct perception. So enjoy. Any questions this morning about your practice? Anything that's been set up to this point? Uh, especially your practice, please. Is mindfulness the opposite of absent-mindedness? Is mindfulness the ultimate absent-mindedness? The opposite of absent-mindedness? Oh, <laughs> yes. Could you tell me more about your question so that I don't just give a glib answer? Yes. Yes. Yes, we basically have, we either know what's going on or we don't. When we don't know what's going on, we call that absent-mindedness. When we know what's going on and we're clearly comprehending it in real time, that's mindfulness. So yes, opposite. Please. If you live into this way, this way of openness, and resting in awareness. Yes, it's a great question. How can one live like this? Uh, <laughs> 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 now, if you were to th- if you were to think of you know, spending all day just noticing points of feeling and 
stars in the sky. <laughs> it um, actually seems like you wouldn't be able to make any decisions. But it seems, and again, you'll have to discover this for yourself, but it seems, Mark may have something different to say about this, it seems that when we do trust this kind of intelligence and awareness and cognizance and responsiveness, the qualities that, that flow more beautifully when we're open, decisions, clarity of perception leads to wise decisions and discernment about what's needed, what needs to be said, what, uh, whether the, it's true, useful, timely, all, all those things. What to eat, what not to eat. We care for ourselves better. We function 200% better when we have the accompaniment of being conscious. And so when you say, how do you make decisions? decisions There you go. Decisions, and you you begin to see that decisions make themselves based on conditions. And that there's much less of the sense of doership, having to figure it out, having to... And even the figuring it out becomes something else to notice. It just becomes another one of those appearances. So it's, um, I just find that it's, life just flows along. It's, it's always flowed along uh, without a doer, really. Without that kind of doer. But uh, that's not our usual perception. And so we usually think that we, that there is a, we, a, a me that has to make decisions. And conventionally speaking, it's true. And conventionally speaking, you couldn't even experience this openness if it wasn't for your individuality, and your unique circumstances, your unique body and mind, stream of consciousness. So there's all these paradoxes that you have to be yourself in order to make decisions. Please. This is. Seriously, I mean, how do you decide which thoughts to entertain? And do you think there's really. I mean, are we mistaken in thinking that's part of the creative process of being absent minded and letting things come back? Well, it depends on what you mean by absent minded, but Mark, I think, will speak to this. I do set my writing time from 7 till 10 in the morning. Uh, you know, there's different modes, there's different modes of creativity, different modes of, of generation, <clears throat> writing or whatever your art form is or your work is. Um, and so I think it <clears throat> can be both done in a uh, <clears throat> structured way. You know I, know, I know many great writers who, you know, that's 9 till 12 is their writing time and that's, you know, and you, you show up for the muse as it were and allow it to <clears throat> come through. But I think what you're really asking about is, um, you know, which comes up a lot, which is even if we're, if we're always sort of present moment to moment, there's no, there can be that sense of doership and a lack of spaciousness and relaxation where the mind just gets to free float and free form. And that's where a lot of, you know, generation comes or aha moments or moments of inspiration. <clears throat> and the research shows that actually it's helpful for, to have periods in the day where, the, where we do go kind of offline and we're not so, they're not using the word mindfulness, but really just letting the mind free float, daydream a little, because that does allow some 
creativity to come through. <clears throat> but the, the, I think what we're addressing here is that we spend most of our time in that daydream spaced out mode, and um, which is not so helpful if that's our default setting. So, you know, what we're stressing is the value of being present as much as one can, and at the same time, <clears throat> whether it's problem solving or, you know, creativity, there's definitely value to having times where you just, you know, you're taking a walk or you're floating in the bath or you're sailing as Einstein used to do and have some of his greatest insights when he was sailing. Um, there's definitely an importance for having the, some ease in the mind that's not so, so much doing. That's right. So we can often mistake because the early part of a retreat, there is a kind of, there is a kind of launching where, we, where it seems that we're doing kind of mind work where mindfulness has that kind of holding quality that does, it seems like it would preclude that, that free-floating creativity. Yet, as people feel more gathered and sustained and as their heart and mind begin, their bodies soften, heart and mind open, anecdotally, so many people have written symphonies and plays and things, uh, inspirations have come in this context. Partly because mindfulness, when it is developed, it's very relaxed. It is very open. It's just, it's, it's a state of being. Often the word sati, which is the word translated for mindfulness, is it's being lucidly aware. It's not doing lucidly aware. It's being lucidly aware. So in that, anything can happen. And it, maybe it's not exactly like daydreaming, but, it's, but many of the same kinds of epiphanies and inspirations can come out of that. As they do. Please. This is just a comment uh, as I'm thinking about it. And it comes not from me, but from, but from Hugh Byrne, who I think you know, he's another teacher in the tradition. Um, and he's, he, he often has us practice in a way that has us watch ourselves think. So instead of, instead of coming back from the thoughts and coming back to the clear space, he just has us watch as we go on. Often a lot of skillful thinking comes from that, and the fact that we're watching as we're thinking, give, I find that it personally gives me more rich, skillful thinking and rich creativity uh, from, from the thought process. Yeah I, I'm, yeah, I think it sounds beautiful, and I don't think that we have been giving you the message to come back to anything, but just to notice the thinking process. But I think initially we say come back to your body so that you at least develop enough steadiness, enough harmony to be able to do that, what you're describing. But the direction is to have a kind of choiceless openness to be able to maintain a kind of mindful attention to the thinking process. Uh, It is a slippery slope, though. We tend to, in following thinking, we tend to become lost in it. But if you can be mindful of the thinking and the kinds of thinking and let that process happen with full attention, great. Yeah. So no place to get back to. Thank you. Please, you had your hand up a couple times. How how do we we rightfully and legitimately plan for the future and also analyze and learn from the past without falling into the fallacy that you talked about last night? Uh, 
You know, it's a great question, and the simplest answer is all (laughs) plants. Just like that. (laughs) I think my answer was too long. (laughs) The simple answer is we are completely free in real time to plan. It happens here. To analyze, it happens here. To think about, reflect on. But remember, a thought of the past is not the past. A thought of the future is not the future. It's a fabrication. And so we, everything happens here. And so the, the issue is not planning. or We have to plan. We have to analyze. We have to remember. The issue is not doing those things. It's being so lost in them that we literally live in that kind of imaginary reality and in the, as Mark is saying, in that uh, incessant lost in thought, we miss, uh, we miss the richness of where we live. We live in that little narrow band of time and miss that wide sky-like openness. So if, you, if you're generally here, you will plan much better if, you're, if you have a general um, experience and attitude and, and comfort and settledness with being present you will analyze with much more clarity, much more wise intention. And, and we lose that when we're, when we're lost. But it all takes place here. I think I just, think, yeah, just want to... Yeah, please. The, the, a lot of the questions I'm hearing, they come from this uh, place where we're giving specific instructions, mostly about the formal meditation, the sitting and the walking. And of course, we apply those principles, but we're obviously not going to be sitting doing nothing in our lives. We've got full <laughs> lives. We've got work and kids and all that. So we apply you know, the principles of presence and attention and, and reflectiveness and thoughtfulness, etc. cetera. Um, and we're in the midst of activity, and you may be a strategic uh, planner, or you may be a, you know, who knows what, a scientist. And so, of course, you're needing to think and strategize and plan and cognize and learn from the past and project for the future. And we, as Howie says, we're doing that with as much mindful presence as we can, with intentionality rather than just free-floating thinking throughout the day that's not so constructive. Yeah. So, we, so to, to make that distinction that we're not expecting you to live in stillness and silence in sitting all day, that's, it's about applying these principles as best you can, depending on your situation. And often our analyzing and planning has that kind of view that, that what I do is the secret to happiness. And what our meditation shows, hopefully you get here, is that the happiness or the well-being is, is a given. And if you have that, then it's then planning and doing everything that one needs to do to function in one's life just works better. So I think we are out of time. We could go on and on. Oh, yes, we have some changes in our schedule today since this is the last full day of practice. Uh, There will be, we have a um, last full day of practice on one hand. On the other hand, at a point in the afternoon, there will be a slight interruption in the flow of sitting and walking and yoga to... Um, to do some of the closing announcements pertaining to the inevitable end of the retreat, eventual end of the retreat. And so please, we ask that everyone comes at 4.45 
to the everyone be in here at 4:45. And today we will only have one yoga from three to four, plus the chair yoga this morning at 10. At 10 o'clock, and other than that, um, I didn't want the mic. Other than that, please, please take advantage of the of the momentum of your practice. Enjoy the fruits of it. Let your mind open and experience your steps, and take in the beautiful environment if you happen to be outside, and try not to miss a moment if you can. So this is the last day of groups. If you don't see your name on the board for whatever reason, and you haven't had a second group, go to the group of the teacher that you didn't see the first time you were in a group. Does that make sense? <laughs> don't, most of you don't have to worry about this because you're all on there, but there's like one or two people may have fallen through the cracks. Just go to one of the groups. You'll be fine. <laughs> it's all good. Anyway, have a great day of practice. And... Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.